All right, Justin, A through Z. M. This might be a little behind the scenes, but I really thought you might choose a different letter on me just to fuck with me. I thought about it. I did. I actually almost thought that too. (laughs) I thought about it and I was like, well, he'll just find a way to get it back to where it needs to be. (laughs) Exactly. I was going to go right back to the same thing either way. If anybody doesn't know, we just, well, nobody will know because it's not like I'm going to upload the other little thing. We had started recording and we had a mess up when, like, within the first like 30 seconds of recording. So we had to start over again. So I thought Justin was going to fuck with me and change the letter. But on to M, we are going for more strike news, which is the fact that the SAG, uh, AFTRA, and the studios uh, have stopped negotiating for now. They are at a difference of about $480 million a year because they are going at essentially the way the Screen Actors Guild wants to do royalties when it comes to streaming services. They don't want to do it by a per viewing basis like they would for a movie theater or something like that. They want to do it on a per subscriber basis, which they want to do it for $1 per subscriber that each you know service would then pay. And in doing so, they would then take that money and distribute it themselves. That is a tough one. I kind of get why the studios are hesitant on that. Because then there's nothing that stops the Writers Guild. And there's nothing that stops the Directors Guild. And there's nothing that stops the Producers Guild. For all wanting the same deal. And then there's $4 per subscriber. And I hate to break it to the actors. The studios aren't going to pay that shit. We are. You know, streaming services have been going up and up and up and up and up without having to pay that much money. You're now asking a dollar per subscriber. Guess what? They're going to charge me that. Mm -hmm. And they'll probably up my subscription a whole dollar a month just to equate for the fact that they're taking a dollar a year from me. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's interesting because, like, I knew that it had been sort of halted still, but I didn't I didn't know the reason why or what they were asking. So that's interesting. Yeah, like, and it's not that I feel for the studios in that instance. I don't. Fuck them. It's just they're going to pass that cost to us. The studios aren't going to pay a dime of that. The, the fans are, the people are, and even though we're paying for all of it anyway, you know what I mean? Like we we're paying for all these deals anyway, because if we go see shit, the studios make money and then the actors make money. But with this type of model, they're just going to push all the cost to us, you know, but especially when you make it a flat rate per, you know, per subscriber. Yeah. That price is just going to us. And then all the, the, the streaming, like a lot of streaming services are starting to go to paying extra for password sharing. I know Netflix has already done that. And Disney plus is going to that at least in Canada. And it will probably go to that here. All of them are going to do that then, because then, you know, that's another way to get another dollar 
you know, and all these things. And it's, it's going to get to the point to where I doubt that that's going to be as beneficial for the actors as they think it will be because I think you're going to get less subscribers because shit's going to cost too much. You know? And I know that that technically equates to a little less than 10 cents a month when it comes to the studios. But like I said, they're not going to charge me one extra dollar a year for the SAG after fee. They're going to up it a dollar, a dollar fifty a month on the subscribers to, to offset those costs is what they're going to say. You know, and the studio is going to do that. And they're going to, they're not going to take any of the blame for it. They're going to go, well, no, it's because of SAG after we have to charge extra now. So then you're going to have people that are going to blame SAG after for that, even though the studio is the one that's raising it more than it really should. Like I said, if they raised all our subscriptions by like, you know, nine cents a month. Okay. Just to pay that SAG after fee. Sure. Okay. Nine cents. I don't care, but they're not, they're going to charge more than that. So they're going to pay that buffer, you know, or pay that to them. And then also still make an extra 90 cents a month off me or more like, you know, and then blame you for it. So that's where it gets a little rough, you know, and I get that that's a more equitable deal for more of the actors because then everybody gets a cut of all of the streaming but that's kind of never how any of these deals have worked in the past. It's always on a royalty basis. If your show's popular, you make more money. You know, so I see it. I see why the actors want that. And I don't necessarily, I'm not harping on them because they want that. I just see that there's more unintended consequences of asking for that. than I think that they're willing to see or believe. You know, unless they put it as a provision of that also, that subscription costs can't go up for the next three years, then okay. But, you know, the, the studios would never deal to that either because they'll always argue, well, if subscription costs can't go up, we're going to make less shows. Therefore, you're going to make less. You know, they're always going to argue something. But, yeah, that's that's a big gap. And like I said, I don't see the studios ever agreeing to something like that because there are three other guilds they work with in that regard. And they they don't want them to cave on that either. Now, they luck out because both the Director's Guild and Writer's Guild have signed contracts. So it'd be at least three years till they can ask for it. I don't know when the Producer's Guild comes up, though. Also, apparently the Producers Guild hates the fact that the, the the acronym that the studios are using for these negotiations has the word producers in it because it's not technically the same as the producers. So that's always fun. But yeah, that's a weird tough, that's a tough thing when it comes to all of this. Yeah. Um, a, a little bit of non-movie related trivia that I found out. 
Did you know, like, you know how everybody, when they talk about the Spartans, it's always about, like, their military dominance and all that shit and how, you know, they make it seem like it was a very big deal in history with how dominant the Spartans were. Mm-hmm. You know, the military dominance of the Spartans roughly lasted about 30 years. I did not know that. Hmm. Yeah. And it's not to say that they weren't a military power for longer than that, but like the utter dominance of the Spartan military prowess was only about 30 years. Hmm. Which reminded me of another like little bit of trivia about the Spartans. You know how like the whole story of 300 or 300 Spartans that stood against the might of the Persian empire and all that shit. Yeah. They leave out the fact that there was like other people there also. Like while it was 300 Spartans, there were also slaves. There were also other Greeks like Athenians and other people. Like it wasn't just 300 people doing this. It was 300 Spartans. Plus. And other people. <laughs> other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Which is really funny. Like, but I shouldn't be surprised by that. I shouldn't be surprised that everybody makes a big deal about the Spartans. You got to have that Spartan mentality. You got to do all this for something that was only dominant for 30 years. Because think about how many people still like talk about how fucking, you know, important the Confederacy was. They were around for four years. Yeah. True. South Park has been on the air for what? Six Confederacies at this point? Like. (laughs) There's a perspective for you. The Simpsons has been on for like. What? Eight. Eight, nine fucking. uh, Confederacies at this point. Yep. The CW show Supernatural was on for what? Three and three quarters confederacies? I mean, if you, especially when you put things in perspective like that, the MCU has gone on longer than the confederacy. That's a good point. Fucking A. Yeah, so I shouldn't be surprised that everybody makes a big deal of the Spartans and they actually weren't shit. That's all I got for news this day. You guys got anything? I don't think so. Uh... I mean, this kind of was last week's news, but my mom told me Suzanne Summers died. Yeah, she died like Sunday, I think. Okay. Yeah, so technically that's still this week. So yeah, ste- that was a couple so, yeah, of days so ago. technically this week. Eh, it's between so, recordings. Yeah. That's all that matters. Uh-huh. Yeah, I did hear about that too. Like a day before her 78th birthday or something like that. Like yeah, that's what was, yeah, it was the day before her birthday, and that was kind of crazy when I looked that up, because I looked her up, I looked that up just to, you know, see what happened and whatnot, and then I saw that, too, that her, yeah, she died on the 15th, her birthday was the 16th, 
So I was like, damn. Is there anything, there's nothing controversial about her that I don't know about that that I need to know about, right, Sterling? Because not that I know. Okay. But I'm not gonna lie, I don't pay much attention to Susan Suzanne Summers. I know I haven't I know her from what the Thigh Master. (laughs) And Thigh Master Three's company, right? Apparently. Yeah, I've watched company. like a grand total. I think of three episodes of Three's Company Same. ever. Uh, Same. Wasn't she on Step by Step? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what I know her from. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I know her yeah. from Step by Step and The Thigh Master. Yeah, same. So, if there is something controversial about her, I haven't read it. So, did they say oh. her cause of death yet, or no? Probably not. Mm. Most of those things, I think, take like two to four weeks. Yeah. She had cancer, right? Wasn't she battling? And I I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. You've pushed past way more than of what I know about Suzanne Summers. Right. Yeah. So. Or a 23-year battle with breast cancer is what they're saying. Okay. So, so. Well, there you go. Well, hey, I normally don't have anything. When you said that, I thought about that. So, there you go. I mean, do you want to look? Contribute it. Do you want me to look up if there was any controversy? Uh-oh. Go for it. <laughs> I'm going to say no, but I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know. She did the thigh master. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe she's a good person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so apparently, oh, the most controversial thing I can find in a 30-second Google search is that she was fired from Three's company for having the audacity to ask for equal pay. Mm, Wow. How dare she? You know, being one of the titular three of Three's company. And she wanted just as much money as the other, you know, the men of the three. If that's the most controversial thing you can find right off the bat, I mean, that's not bad. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's not bad at all. And she deserved the pay. That's I mean, effed up. That's, and that's the craziest thing about it is it's like, all right, let's build this show about three people and they're the main characters. What? This woman wants to be paid the same? The, the gumption. We have to get rid of her. Yeah, that's some bullshit. Like, I mean, it's one of those things that's like, isn't that the, like, to me, that just sounds like the bare minimum. You've got three main characters. They all make the same amount of money. Yeah, she wasn't even asking for more. (laughs) She was just saying, 
equal to it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Can't even ask for equal. Damn. Hmm. Somehow this reminded me of sort of a follow-up to our underworld conversation we were having. Um, I saw something this week about Michael Sheen apparently going forward is going to be like a, a not-for-profit actor. And he's going to give all of his earnings he makes for any movies now to charities and things like that. Which is kind of cool. Well, there you go. Apparently he did like a charity organization and they, um, when something, something with the funding fell through. So he sold like two of his homes to be able to fund it. (laughs) And I guess since then he like realized that that was something he wanted to just keep doing for charities, which is really cool. So. Which by the way, I have started watching the underworlds. (laughs) <laughs> so you still feel the that same sounds way right about them what do you i think forgot how one? weirdly long the first one is god it's long it is, is it? so long it's easily five hours long <laughs> man i thought that shit was 90 minutes <laughs> easily five. 90 minutes I am curious how long it is. I'm going to say it's like a little over two hours, probably. I mean, when I was watching it, I swear it took five hours. Man, that thing (laughs) is two hours and one minute long. Holy fuck, is it long? (laughs) (laughs) There's just so much time that nothing is happening in that movie. Like, now granted, I get some of it because it's like, what can we do for the next three minutes? Let's just have Kate Beckinsdale in leather pants and a corset and then a leather, like leather sleeves. And let's just have that be the focus for three minutes straight with nothing else happening. I mean, I get the temptation. But fuck is it long? And it is so slow and just shit is happening. And at the same time, not happening. I don't know quite how they pulled it off. Something special, that movie. Underworld 2 is an hour 45. That's better. Underworld 3, Rise of the Lycans, which does bring back Michael Sheen. Hour and a half. See, they get it. Get it, get out, just fuck everything else. Underworld Blood Wars, hour 31. Sounds fucking fantastic. And then Underworld Awakening, hour 28. See, the first one sets the wrong expectations. They fix it as they go on (laughs) because even though those other ones might technically be worse movies, I'm probably infinitely more likely to enjoy them because they get in and they get the fuck out. They save me a half hour and they still give me all the Kate Beckinsdale and tight leather that I could ever want. Yeah. I mean, I think, I feel like the more movies that I watch, the more I understand your need for movies to be shorter. (laughs) There's so many movies that are, I mean, just very iconic or very good movies that are all just also very long. <laughs> well, it, it's that. And it's also like, all right. A lot of people like to ask, you know, like, or just in general, when you're getting to know people, it's like, oh, what do you like to do? And I say like, oh, I like to watch stuff. I like to watch movies and television. And everybody's like, oh, well, everybody likes to do that. 
Well, no, the people don't watch it like I do, though. I mean, this past since this recording and our last one, I think I've watched eight movies and a season and a half of a television show. Whilst also only watching football on Sunday and some college football on Saturday, you know, like it's impressive and my work days and I, I fucking worked what in the last two days I've worked uh 22 hours. All that while still watching stuff and playing more Baldur's Gate. But like, yeah, like when I say I watch shit, like, no, that's like, that's what I do. Like, I watch shit. I'm not just like watching TV and all this. It's like I watch a lot of stuff. You know, most people average like a movie a day. I easily do like two movies a day. If not three or four on the, like when I don't have work also, you know, like when I started working out and everything like that, like the way I do cardio is I do an, an exercise bike and I do that whilst watching TV or a movie. Like I have my iPad on there and I'm like, I'm watching a movie, you know? So yeah, it's different when I watch shit. Like, it very much is a bigger part of what I do, you know, versus just watching TV or like, you know, just relaxing and watching TV. Like I do treat watching TV and movies like a hobby. You know what I mean? Like I don't treat it like it's my yeah, relaxation. Me relaxing is even more insane because when I'm relaxing, I'll have like Dateline on my television. I'll have some background movie or TV show on my iPad and then I'm playing Baldur's Gate. That's me. And that's relaxing, relaxing for you. <laughs> nice. You know, like that's, that's what I do when I'm doing that. But yeah, it's, I, I just kind of do things a little different when it comes to that. Like I said, like watching TV and movies is more like a hobby with how I do it. So like, yeah, that's why I think I do prefer like these shorter movies, like going back to why I was bringing all that up is because, I then churn through shit, which, and, and, and it's not like I do it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I want to get through these. Like sometimes it is, you know, when I'm watching 10 Saul movies in a fucking weekend. Yeah. By like Saul seven, I'm like, let me get the fuck through these. But it also allows me to just watch more stuff, you know? Yeah. Hour and a half movies. That. And I can watch, you know, Two movies, I can watch two of those in the span of an Avengers Endgame, and I can watch two movies. To me, it's I get more bang for my buck when it comes to my viewing time. You know? Yeah, that go ahead. Well, I was gonna say that like that's how I can watch 10 Saw movies in a weekend, whilst also my Sunday is dedicated to watching football. Because that's all I do on Sundays, you know, and especially at this time of year with how many London games they are, I'm starting at fucking 8 a.m. or 8.30 in the morning, and I'm watching fucking football until 10 o'clock at night. You know? So. It's pretty glorious. Yeah. The sad thing is, is I do all that, and then I watch a fucking movie, and then I go to bed. Like, 
I'll end my night like starting at 1030 by watching a movie. You know, or I'll watch a couple episodes of a television series. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I do that stuff. And so, yeah, that's why I've I've really gotten into the thing of really enjoying and like my preference is shorter movies because I like watching so much that if your thing's shorter, I'm watching more that and especially if it's a bad movie, that means I'm going to hate you a little less because I was able to watch you and it was over and I was able to move on to something else. And I was able to watch something else to get your bad movie out of being the last thing I just watched because there's nothing worse than a movie that's two, two and a half hours and it's fucking terrible. I'm, I could have watched one and two thirds of shorter, better movies in that amount of time than your one terrible movie. So yeah, that's kind of why I've really shifted to that. Like, you know, you have to be an utterly phenomenal movie for me to not hate you after three hours. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. Like I, I mean, even I grew up watching movies and TV and realizing more now that the reason we had so much television going on in our house is because my mom was just very much like movies. They don't keep my attention the whole time. Like give me a short, like maybe like a 40 minute episode of something so I can get through more of it. But also it's just enough time for her to still stay interested in the storyline. So I, I, I get that perspective. I've heard other people having that too, where it's like, I prefer shorter things, you know, I mean, and not that you prefer TV shows over movies, but in general, the sense of, you know, if it's shorter, you know, you're going to keep my attention more, but then you also can get through more of the thing that you want to see, you know? Yeah. I think really it's just more of like a generational thing because it used to be that when like a really long movie came out, there used to be a sense of like epicness to it. Like it was this grand scale, like normally you would have these big releases come out and it's like, Oh man, you know, this movie is got, it it was like this huge release. It had all these stars in it. It was some epic, you know, mind blowing special effects, or it had this, you know, acclaimed director and this movie is going to be two and a half hours. And sometimes those movies do have a sense of scale to them. Like it's, it's like, you know, sometimes the length can add to a movies, I guess can add to the feeling of importance of it or the relevance of it. Or like, Oh man, you know, it's this grand scale. It's kind of like going to like, a regular concert that 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 features maybe one or two bands or and then going to one of those like super concerts where there's like you know where there's like eight or nine different like acclaimed bands or something like that sometimes bigger feels grander like it it's, feels more yeah. grandiose it feels more 
like, oh man, this is epic because it's, you know, I think, and sometimes I think that's okay. Like, like for instance, in game, that was a culmination of years of movies. So it felt like it needed the length because of the scale of what we were dealing with. I think what has happened though, is that like you started to get this trend where now movies started to like increase their length. Like it became a thing of, Oh, this too. Oh, the Lord of the Rings was successful. Oh, this was successful. Oh, that was successful. And it was two and a half. So all these movies need to be two and a half. This movie's going to be two and a half. That movie's going to be two and a half. And I think somewhere that lost its luster. And now I feel like it's going back the other way where we're starting to get them shorter to a degree. Now, there are still directors, of course, like Martin Scorsese, who's doing like like this movie we're about to watch. That's three and a half. But I don't know. You know, it's Martin Scorsese. You know, you got Leo DiCaprio. It's Robert De Niro. You know, maybe that movie will live up to the scale of it because you've got one of the best directors, some of the best actors, et cetera. So I think some, you know, for me, it's never been is short, good, long, bad, or anything like that. What does it take for this movie to be good? If that's three hours, cool. If it's two and a half, cool. You know, I don't want it to be long just because, or short just because, because sometimes a shorter movie can leave you wanting more. And you feel like maybe there was something left that something left out that we didn't get. So but, but but I think the the trend is now we live like in a world of TikTok and short clips and all of this kind of stuff. I just feel like the attention span of the public is shorter. That we just gravitate to shorter shit. So therefore, I feel like movies, being that they movies follow trends all the time, that that is kind of what movies do. That's how they've lived for so long. They follow trends. They follow the pulse of what we're feeling as people. So I think maybe that's probably the reason for it. I, d- I don't necessarily d- disagree with you on a lot of what you suggest. And those culmination movies, I will be a little bit more forgiving. Now, I know I wasn't completely with Endgame, but I had already kind of checked out of the MCU at that point. Like I had already kind of checked out at that point. Um, and I, I was no, I, I, that was my one nitpick when it came to John Wick four, because I, I saw where you could cut something and get that shorter, but at least those movies have the excuse that those are like you said, Jess, and those are culmination events, you know, in game is the culmination of all the MCU, you know, John Wick four was the culmination of, the renaissance of Keanu Reeves, you know, and this recreation of this new style of action movie that is now, you know, so prevalent, you know, we got that nobody movie with Bob Odenkirk. You had atomic blonde. You have, uh, that movie silent night that's coming out, you know, that are all kind of mimicking that type of style. That, you know, so that was a culmination event. 
Avatar 2 is not a culmination event. You're the second movie in a fucking franchise that hasn't made a movie in over 10 years. You're not a culmination event. Why are you three hours long? You know what I mean? Uh, so I do agree with some of what you're saying, Justin. And I do also agree that, you know, things like TikTok have kind of skewed some of these things. And that's also why I think I'm addicted to fucking TikTok is because I can get through so much content on TikTok because everything's like a minute long. I can just keep going. I can keep scrolling. I can find new things. I can be exposed to new things. You know, in 30 minutes, I could theoretically get anywhere from what, like 10? Because if your TikTok's more than three minutes, I'm not watching it. So I could get anywhere from 10 new things to fucking 60 new things in 30 minutes of being on TikTok, you know? And I think that that's what I like is I like absorbing and being exposed to and experiencing so many different creative things over as short a period of time as I can. Because the more things I can experience, the more things I can see, the more things I can, I can view. I feel like that just adds to more of what I can enjoy or won't enjoy. You know what I mean? No, that that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think that just with certain movies, like if it's this big, like if, if it's a big event thing, if there's something about it that makes it seem like it deserves like the, the length of the attention or the scale of it, then it's okay. L- like something like the Lord of the Rings movies. Well, I mean, you look at those books, like how popular they are, how long those books are. I mean, those books are like, <laughs> what, a thousand some pages or some shit. 27 like, billion. I just counted them. Yeah. Like basically. Right. So like you look at the length of those books and stuff. So, yeah, the movies are probably going to be long. You know what I mean? Like that's a long tradition of books you got all these you got all these cast members you got all this story and all this stuff so okay so something like that yeah i don't know how lord of the rings works in 90 minutes i mean maybe it can but i mean maybe we just haven't gotten that genius writer to write it yet but well the i don't fact know that it's i don't know a book too that might yeah. be part of it too you know what i mean yeah have so them you know run. certain things there's too much walking if you have them run <laughs> if they're in a dead sprint everywhere they go that we'll will save an be hour. a brisk movie <laughs> maybe even power walking maybe just a little power walking yeah get that but, heart rate up like my apple watch no, says like, do a brisk walk at least i saw some like meme the other day that said if 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 Sam was able to carry him and it still worked and the ring didn't really like realize the transference, they could have just put it on a rat and had the rat go up the mountain and that movie would have been over. <laughs> I was like, you know, that's a fair point. Yeah. And like <laughs> so but but like, you know, some so certain things in certain material, certain things feel like I feel like the it will have to have length and stuff like that. And like this, uh, 
and but but certain movies, I don't know, like they're long, but they're just very engaging and they're so well made. And if you like the actors in it and stuff like that, sometimes it's okay to stay. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I enjoy some of the in and out stuff and the quick stuff as much as anybody, but sometimes, man, you, you just want to sit, you know, take a breath and just engage and enjoy where you are, what you're doing or what story you're in. And sometimes you can't truly feel it if it's fast, you know, it, it, it has to methodically pace itself. It has to slow burn. It has to make you challenge you to think it has to, you have to sit on it in order for it to be effective. So I think also it's just back to the whole art thing like what kind of art do you prefer i just think there are things where you know there's going to be art that challenges your endurance in that way and i don't know i've always kind of been a person where it's like i'm up for the challenge of that you know if you produce it and make it i will sit through it because i'm gonna give you my opinion damn it so i'm gonna watch it all i'm gonna absorb it all and Cause when it's over, I'm going to have an opinion and I don't know, I guess, I don't know how exactly that ties to everything we're talking about, but I guess I just said all that to say that it it just, for me, it just, everything just depends who's doing it, what it's about, what is the subject matter. And that to me determines how long the material needs to be. And I think the moment you're watching something and it feels like it's just long for the sake of being long, I feel like you sniff that out right away. Like you can sense that right away. And the art of it doesn't feel as sincere. And I do think a lot of movies are guilty of that and lost their way with that for a little bit. Yeah, probably more often than not, I would say. Yeah, I think that's true. I can't believe you just called out James Cameron by name like that, Justin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we went drastically longer on the news section then. There we go. Yeah, we kind of did. Suzanne Summers. All because of Suzanne Summers. Mm hmm. She led to the rabbit hole that once again randomly also brought in Wonder World. Or Underworld. All right. Movie? Yeah. Yep. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Come on. Cinema Slayers. Slayers. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight, we're going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the new movie, Totally Killer. We will go recommend or we will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around if you so require. And with all that, 
Heather, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about Totally Killer? Yeah, so, I mean, this movie is not without its faults, but I still had fun with it. I still thought it was a fun a fun time, a fun watch. Um, it got some laughs out of me. I thought the storyline was interesting. Uh, it has a very, you know, mystery whodunit aspect to it on top of it being, a, I guess you would call it maybe like a slasher film type of thing. Um, yeah. So I, and you know, I'm a big fan of, of those types of films um, separately. So together in one is also good. So yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, I like uh, Kieran and Shipka, who is the lead in this movie. I really like her. She was the, she played Sabrina in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And I thought she was great in that too, but yeah, it was it was good to see her doing something else, something a little bit different. And she did a good job. I think she was a really compelling lead. And I think she, you know, her line delivery when she needed to be funny or sarcastic or even when she needed to be sad or sentimental, like she really just kind of pulled it off. And I think she did a good job here. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, there's some things that don't quite add up, but I think that's sort of to be expected in a movie like this. And I think that there were there were parts of it where I feel like they they didn't really it wasn't, I would say, like a tight story, like a tight script. <laughs> like there were definitely some loose ends or some things that you're just like, yeah, that kind of was a dumb thing to put in here and doesn't make sense with anything else. But um, when I compare it to a lot of other horror movies I've seen that are kind of like this, um, it, there's definitely been a lot worse. So yeah, I still had fun with it. I still thought it was, it was a good time and yeah, um, that's, yeah, that's what I got. Justin, what about you? Yeah, I think I'm in a similar place. I thought that it was, a a fun movie. Um, I didn't have too many lot like issues with it as far as like thinking that something was bad or that there were any terrible decisions made or anything like that. I think that for the most part, um, anytime I read a synopsis and it says that we're combining horror elements with sci-fi time travel and we're going to with slasher horror elements and all of this stuff, we're mixing all of these things. Sometimes you fear that the, that the juxtaposition of all of those things could easily wind up being a disaster. And this could have been a disaster. When you look at all of the things that it was trying to do, because uh, I mean, because all of these things are hard to do when a movie just focuses on one of them, it's difficult to do them well, but a movie that tries to tackle all of it, um, you know, that, that can sometimes be a bold or sometimes stupid choice, you know, just depending on how we execute, um, to this movie's credit. I do think most of it works because it knows what it is. It doesn't try to take itself too seriously. I think it leans more on comedy satire and paying 
homages to other movies and other things and references and stuff like that than it does trying to be this serious horror, we're going to jump scare you type of movie. And I think that that maybe was the smart way to go, especially because you're mixing so many things. So I think the tone of it and the way that they had the characters reacting to each other, the times where there were funny lines seemed appropriate. It got some laughs out of me as well. Um, And sometimes it wasn't even like, oh, this is supposed to be a joke. Sometimes it was just the actors did a good job playing off of each other and they have a lot of chemistry. And I think that that definitely helps this too, because there are just times where you have a person from the future interacting with people from the eighties. And um, I mean, I'm not going to say hilarity ensues or anything like that. It's not just a full on comedy, but when awkward moments happen where, the future character notices something problematic or somebody said something and the future character's like, uh, you know, she's reacting how we would react if we were back in the Those 80s. Those are the funniest and, parts, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's what did it for me. I liked all of those things, those little things that the movie sprinkled in there. And I think that um, it does all of that well. I think. Um, And as far as the slasher elements, um, they're fine. I mean, there's a big enough body count, I think, for this kind of movie to where it's fine. Nothing spellbounding or amazing about the gore or what we were doing as far as the killing or anything like that. Um, It does have a bit of that mystery to it. And I think the mystery aspect of it and kind of what we find out from that, that might be the weakest portion of it is the kind of not so much the building of the mystery, but the payoff, you know, maybe not as strong as I wanted it to be. Not terrible, but it felt safe. It just felt like it was like, okay, you know, this is um, a way to get a a safe way to get to the finish line. And that, for the most part, seemed to be what we chose. So um, I wouldn't say it was disappointing, but I do think that that is probably one of the weaker elements of it is like when the movie finally well, not finally, but it, it's concentrating on it the whole time. But when the movie finally got to that, that seemed less exciting than finding out, okay, so where are we going to wind up at the end of this? That was infinitely more interesting than me to me than the slasher. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, maybe, maybe it's bad or I don't know. Maybe it's good because we mixed so many things, but, 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 but in the end, um, I I think overall, this was good. It was fine. It was a fun, uh, time. And I do think that the actors and the actresses, especially the lead, uh, Shipka was very good. Um, Olivia Holt, who played teen Pam, her teen mother, I thought she was also 
very good. I mean, a lot of the cast is 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 uh very good in this. You know, everybody uh does their job well. It was good to see Randall Park. I always like to see him. He's cool. Um, he was nice in his scenes as well. So yeah, I mean, I can't really be mad at the movie. You know, it's kind of one of those I can't get mad at it. You know, it didn't do anything bad enough for me to like you know, to say anything about it execution wise was bad, you know, and there was just some elements better than others in this mixture of things we tried to do. But I think most of this did work because of the acting and leaning towards the comedy. I think it's a fine movie. And I think it has a major hiccup going into the third act that is slightly specific to me and also at the same time breaks one of my cardinal rules with movies that I don't know if it's going to affect everybody that watches it, but holy fuck, did it piss me the fuck off? Like I was very irate going into the final act of this movie just going, what the fuck is this lazy ass fucking writing? And what the fuck is this movie doing? And I was very mad. But I mean, like I said, outside of that, I mean, it, it's pretty good. It's fine. It, you know, I think the acting is fine. I, I like some of the story elements like you guys brought up. I like that clash between a classic 80s fuck fest movie with modern sensibilities contrasting it you know i dig that i kind of thought it was funny of you know when they're like it's because you're just horny and you want to fuck like everybody wants to fuck everything like you know that's an 80s movie like that's you know that's all kids did in the 80s according to movies all anybody did from the ages of 16 to 19 is fuck everything And whether or not they should have like, and I thought it was, I thought how they, I, I liked how they approached that in this movie. I like how they also approached the, that the, the, some of the stereotypes, some of the characterizations you get in eighties movies. You know, I like the characterization of the popular girls versus the jocks versus the stoner burnouts versus the nerds, like in all those things. Like I liked how they showed some of the juxtapositions of what we used to get from 80s movies. Like, I liked how they gave you all the feeling of an 80s movie whilst also calling out 80 movies on their bullshit. You know, they didn't glorify the insanely problematic aspects of old movies. They did it to, I don't want to say mock them, but to put a lens on it from a modern perspective. And I like that. And then it just, you know, like the movie was kind of humming along and then it went, Hey Sterling. And then they, they stopped everything. The whole movie stopped and they tapped on the screen. They were like, Sterling, are you paying attention to this? We're about to ruin your fucking night with about five lines of dialogue. And then they ruined it. And then the rest of the movie happened. Uh, which is 
also kind of compounded by the fact that like you said, Justin, some of the weakest aspects of this movie are in some of the resolution and those aspects of it. So when I'm going into that, the, the end segment, which is the weakest part of this movie and the movie is also just, you know, stabbed me right in my genitals. The ending of this movie is not a pleasurable experience for me. And I will go more specific at the very beginning of spoilers. Uh, because I'm doing my damnedest not to completely reveal like what it is that gets spoiled at the end. And it just goes back to what we talked about a couple of episodes ago. They went in and they went, Hey, this is the rules we're doing. And they wrote themselves into a corner based on their own rules. And then they went, fuck, we're in a corner. And instead of writing themselves out, they just fucking took a bazooka, blew the walls off the fucking house and then walked out. So they wouldn't have to be stuck in the corner anymore. I'm so mad about it. And the aspect of it is on something that's very technical, which falls into my non-movie watching and, and, and movie reviewing career. Like, so it ties into what I do for a fucking living whilst also doing the fucking cardinal sin of fucking movies in my eyes. So like I said, it's invading your whole world. It is. And it's very upsetting. Uh, recommendations and scores. Sure. Yeah. Recommendations and score. Uh, Justin, go. Yeah, I'll go ahead and recommend it. I think it, that it's a, it's a fun enough, good time. I mean, it's on Amazon. So, you know, if you're one of those people that's like, you know, swiping through looking for something, I mean, yeah, there's probably better content on Amazon. I'm not saying, oh, this is the one you got to click on and look at. But hey, you know, you got you got about an hour. You know, what is it? Uh about an hour and a half. Well, an hour, hour and a half, yeah. Maybe a little over if you count the credits. So, I mean, you know, it it it's fine. It's a short, nice little movie like that. You know, it's fun. It's October time. People, Halloween, you like your slasher stuff, stuff like that. You know, fine. Why not? Just throw this in the collection of Halloween stuff that you can watch. You know, and if you're looking for something new, if you've seen all your old movies that you like to watch during Halloween and you're looking for something just new that has come out, I mean, fine. You can add this to the collection of things that you can watch. Um, so, yeah, we'll recommend that it. it's fine. Uh, we'll go. I'll give it 75 clips of RoboCop one and add 209 because RoboCop is the shit. And I'm glad it was in here out of a hundred. I could totally bring this up off podcast, but I'm going to do it right now. Uh, Please don't. No, no, this, it's actually not a bad thing about RoboCop or anything. Oh, okay. It's actually something that will make you happy about RoboCop. That's why I'm going to say, then it. please oh. say it here. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> I was scared. I don't know who made this, but there's a documentary in my iTunes about 
like the behind the scenes and the making of RoboCop, like about that whole thing. Uh, there's like three or four episodes or something like that. Like it's a lot of shit. Like it's like four hours of shit about like RoboCop. Cool. Yeah. I need to watch that. I need to watch that. Yeah. I did, that's all. I just want to bring that up. Like, cause you probably didn't know about it. Cause I think it's a British show. Okay. Um, I haven't actually watched any of it yet, but I bought it. Uh, because that's what I do. But yeah, that's all. I just want to bring that up. I think I thought you might enjoy it. That's I all. will. I would. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing okay. bad. All right. Jason still looks hesitant. Like there's a there's a oh and coming. Man, he used to hate on RoboCop. Man, he no, used to hate. I boy. used to he hate on the hate. bullshit you would make up about RoboCop, Jason. <laughs> I didn't actually hate on RoboCop. I hated on the fact that you're like, man, RoboCop could beat Magneto. RoboCop could beat Godzilla. (laughs) RoboCop could beat God. Like, you were just the RoboCop could beat everybody. (laughs) There's a way he could. Man, that guy moved as fast as a snail covered in molasses. And you're like, he could beat anybody. That's all I ever (laughs) hated on, Justin, was your bullshit surrounding RoboCop. The first RoboCop movie is fantastic. He's my hero. I mean, yeah. Go I'm, watch. I'm good at believing. What was the last time you watched RoboCop three, Justin? Uh, uh, exactly. No, That's stop. why he's still your hero. <laughs> Cause you haven't watched RoboCop three in a long time. Go watch that and report back to me on whether or not this is another BK versus raising Kane situation. Oh God. Do you remember prime directive? Yes. I remember prime directive. Justin. <laughs> Heather's looking at us like, what the fuck is Prime Directive? Prime Directive is the RoboCop TV series that came out. And I did not think know about that was this. A thing. It came out after RoboCop 3. So look at the trajectory of the franchise that is RoboCop and just guess how good a TV series is based on RoboCop after RoboCop 3. Oh, no. He had a, at least he had a jetpack. You say at least he had a jetpack like that was actually a good thing. Okay, move it on. Heather, what are your spoiler or what is your recommendation and score for this here movie? I mean, I yeah, I do recommend it. Like I I kind of I would put this movie in the same vein as like a happy death day type of movie, um, which I really liked. And it's kind of a similar vibe of the funny comedy aspect mixed with the slasher, like who is this person type of thing. So it has a similar sort of thing about it. And maybe that's why I liked this one, because I I really enjoyed that movie and that type of thing that they do. Um, Because, yeah, that that makes for a fun horror movie for me. So and and they did that well here. Yeah. So I I think um, the moments that, you know, especially with Kiernan Shipka uh, when she, yeah, when she needed to be funny, she was when she like, I think she really nailed it at any of the moments when she was supposed to be really sad about something. Um, It kind of was, it, it, it wasn't very often that you needed that in this movie, but the times that called for it, she really did a good job with that, Um, which was just a really kind of rare gem to have in a movie like this. So I appreciated it for what it was in this type of movie. 
Um, I, I mean, yeah, I think some of it is a bit predictable. Some of it is, you know, not necessarily, but you're still intrigued or I was still intrigued with how everything was going to unfold and how things were going to turn out and things like that. So yeah, I, I, I thought it was a, a good time. The only thing about it is I feel like on a rewatch, it wouldn't be quite as fun. Like, because the, with these types of movies, that's sort of the thing you get with it, where you're like, it's the mystery of what's going to happen and the mystery of figuring out who it is. Some scary movies, like you can rewatch them, even though you know what happens. And it's still like, I still love watching it. I still love to see it all unfold. And I think because this movie is very heavily relying on you to want to know that mystery, um, you could just be like, oh yeah, it's good. But since I know the mystery, I'm not going to get as much out of it, like on a rewatch. You know what I mean? Um, so I think you, you run that risk, but I mean, if this movie's on in the background, I'm not going to turn it off. You know what I mean? Like, I still think it's a good movie and it still has really fun parts that you can enjoy about it. Um, aside from the whodunit part. So yeah, um, I recommend it. Um, I guess I'll give it, I'm going to go a little higher than Justin on it. Um, I'm going to go 79 uh, antique leather jackets that are back in style out of 100. Oh, man. 79. Uh, I mean, I'm. I'm not going to not recommend it. I know I have my issues with it, but I, I also am self-aware enough to understand that certain aspects of it are, like I said, like the movie stopped and went, I'm going to piss you off only, Sterling. I don't care about the rest of the world. We are doing this just to fuck with you. Uh, you know, and like there are some good elements of it. Like I said, if you're, you know, 80s slasher film or an 80s, 80s teen comedy, all of those things, it hits all those tropes without being as problematic as they are now, especially like, I mean, is there's like four movies you can go back from the eighties and watch it. Not want to just scrub yourself with steel wool afterwards, you know? So they do a good job of, of going around that and, and doing those things. And I do agree with you, Justin. I mean, anytime Randall parks on the screen, it's just delightful. Like there's just something about that man that just makes any scene he's in that much better. Uh, you know, and most of the acting is good. You know, it's, it, it's fine. A lot of my issues with this movie are the, it's, it's the writing, you know, the ending is the weakest part, you know, my other issues with it. It's that's where it gets a little weak, but you know, if you're looking for like a a lesser substitute or an, an another addition to something like the Happy Death Day franchise that Heather brought up, I think those movies are fantastic. Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You, I think, are both really good. Um, and this kind of ties into that a little bit. It, it is that kind of weird sci-fi, but also traditional slasher films. And I just don't think this is as good as those are, though. I agree with that. I think this had potential to be 
because you're also tying in the 80s with it. I think this had the potential to be. I think it just doesn't quite land there. So I think it's a couple of notches under those uh, with what it ends up being. Uh, oh, I'm having a tough time. 68. Uh, 68 uh, water beds saving you from being murdered out of a hundred. A water uh, bed away. One water bed away. Uh, so that puts the uh, Cinescore for this movie at a, uh, a 74. Spoilers. Yep. Yep. Spoilers. If you are watching this on YouTube, you will realize that my lighting, I try to coordinate my lighting with the movies. Um, And I tried to go for the bright neon-ish colors of an 80s movie. So I've got two different colors going on right there. Um, All right. Big issue with this movie. Uh, So we, we, we talked about it in the It Lives Inside and Saw 10 podcast that you can establish whatever, like my big thing is you can establish whatever rules you want for your movie within your own universe. Just then don't go around and break them. Cause like, what's the point of making rules if you're going to break them? This movie hardcore does that and didn't even try to not do that. And in, in the way it did it also is the most bullshit way you could have done it. And I think that that's why I'm insanely pissed off. So one of the key points of the time travel device in this movie is that it needs Wi-Fi to work because it has to use Wi-Fi with your phone to make the, what, uh, I don't know, the, the chrono map or whatever the chronosopher, whatever the fuck they called it uh, to make that work properly. Well, if you know anything about the eighties, you know that there was not Wi-Fi back then. So that was like a big turn, like a big thing. Like, oh, what are we going to do? We need the Wi-Fi to make this work. How do we make it work? Oh, no. And then they're sitting there. And then they're like, oh, my God, I've got Wi-Fi on my phone right now. And they're like, oh, it's the news uh, transmission. That's what's giving me my Wi-Fi. Oh, we just have to make sure that they're using that and we'll do that. And we can then make this work. Except nothing about a news transmission is fucking Wi-Fi, especially not in the fucking 80s. Data transmission or signal transmission on on that type of thing is microwave, if I'm remembering correctly. That's not Wi-Fi. A microwave transmission will not make your phone go, hey, I's got Wi-Fi. That's not how that works in any way, shape, or form. And to top it all off, they were like, oh, man, we really need to hurry because your phone's going to die in seven hours. What the fuck is your phone even on for? If you need your phone and like, let's let's get past all that. And let's just say you need your phone. Turn it the fuck off. Phones die faster when they're searching for signal because they're constantly searching for signal. Yeah whether it is cellular or Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. That's why if you turn off those things, your phone battery 
actually lasts a little longer, especially if you've already got no service. If you put it in airplane mode, it actually can help preserve your phone because your phone's not constantly then searching for it. So if you're not going to at least turn off your phone, put it in airplane mode. Something like that. So not only did they make up magic 80s Wi-Fi, but then they were also insanely stupid for not just turning off your fucking phone. And also, if this woman is a smart enough genius to create time travel based off futuristic designs and parts, and she's able to reverse engineer it to use 80s technology to then also then achieve Wi-Fi, you're telling me she can't figure out a way to charge a phone's fucking battery? You could still open up the phone, pull the battery out, and connect it to a power source to then charge the phone if it is that fucking critical. That's a good point. I understand she can't necessarily create an 8-pin lightning connector for an iPhone, but you can pull the battery out and fucking give it some juice. Batteries existed back then. It happens. It would work. But I think the thing that pisses me off is that they wrote themselves into that Wi-Fi corner and they kept it when there's no way it could possibly be resolved in the 80s. And then they made some bullshit reason as to why it worked in the 80s. Why could they not have just had the super genius girl that was able to, like I say, reverse engineer time travel based off futuristic technology from 2023? Why could she not find an 80s solution to that? They still had satellites. They still had stuff like the atomic clock, which uses microwave transmissions to update clocks all around the world up to like one one thousandth of a second to make sure everything's accurate. Why couldn't they have done something based on that? Why couldn't they have used something that was in the eighties that maybe somebody in 2023 wouldn't have thought about because nobody thinks about the atomic clock and it's microwave transmissions outside of people like me that have watches that set themselves to that still, you know, why, why couldn't they have just shown her to be that big of a genius that she could find an eighties specific solution to the problem that maybe that the other girl her daughter in the future didn't do because she had the benefit or crutch of wi-fi existed so she bent or so what she built was based around a concept that was already existing so she wouldn't have to come up with a new solution that's infinitely harder than just using something else that exists The mom could have then done that instead, which would have shown why she is a super genius and was able to partially come up with the theoretical successful idea of what could become time travel later. It's an easy solution that you could have done, but you broke your own fucking rules and made up bullshit in doing so. And that was insanely fucking lazy in my eyes in in that regard. It just goes back to what we talked about. They wrote themselves into a corner and they didn't know what to fucking do. So they made up bullshit that broke their own fucking rules. Whilst also breaking every other fucking rule of technology that I would have accepted if they hadn't wrote themselves into the my phone needs Wi-Fi corner. They're the ones that established that idea. I didn't tell them they needed Wi-Fi. They told me they needed Wi-Fi. That is why it pisses me off so much. They didn't have to go that route. They could have just made up some fucking thing. They could have said they needed, I don't know, the fucking titanium. Whilst they did have titanium in the 80s, 
titanium was infinitely and prohibitively more expensive in the 80s and harder to find and source than it is now. You could have used that instead. You know what I mean? They could have done any number of things that would have been the obstacle. But they created something so specific and just bullshitted their way out. Didn't even try. When I think the better solution was sitting there in front of their face, come up with a, if you're going to come up with a bullshit reason, at least make it an 80s bullshit reason that also enhances a character that you introduced in the movie as being smart. It shows how much smarter she is. It, it, it enhances a character that you're telling me that I should care about. So to me, that's win-win. Instead of just going, oh, you magically have Wi-Fi that doesn't exist. And the sad thing is, is that happens at the very beginning of the third act. That's like the, the pinnacle scene that transitions between second act and third act. And so I am just grumpily sitting there for the entire third act, <laughs> just pissed the fuck off at this movie. And then it goes into this bullshit with the killers that is kind of weak. And just kind of, how can we make it the most unexciting twist we can out of this? That felt also kind of lazy with the reveal of Dun Dun Dun, the second killer. That's right. what was the lazy part to me. I won't go into that as much. I, 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 want, I want Justin to go into that because Justin's the one that brought that up. So I want that to be, you know, I'm going to leave that for him. Because I've gone off a long time over just that one scene. That's how much so that scene pissed me off. how did you uh, feel about this movie, Sterling? <laughs> Tell us how you feel. I don't know if you expressed it yet. The, the sad thing is, is how I, I should have timed that. I went off for how long on a single fucking scene? You did say it was from five lines of dialogue. So, yeah. God, it made me so mad. And that's the thing is I think this movie is actually pretty good. It, 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 it's pretty good except for that. And that's how much like, and that's why like, and how big that rule is to me. Like that rule can seriously fucking ruin a movie for me. And it's not, and it's not like it's a completely self-imposed rule. It's just, it's a rule that's developed out of what, I notice and enjoy out of movies, you know, it's not like I'm like, well, that's like, that's my rule. So I have to keep it. It's, it's just a part of inherently of how I enjoy movies or don't enjoy movies. That's, that's a part of it. Like we developed it or I developed it being my rule based on the fact that like, that's how I viewed movies for so long that I'm like, Oh, that's my rule. Like that's, that's it. Like that's putting words to how I felt for so long with what, how movies do things. So oh, I feel almost fucking exhausted after all that. Um, Justin, uh, how about you go now? Cause I want to hear, I want to hear your thoughts on the killer thing. Cause I think we agree on it. So. Uh, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> well, just to speak really quickly about, what you were talking about with the Wi-Fi and everything, even I was sitting there going, okay, that's not possible. But, <clears throat> but unlike you, where you just like hated it. And I get it because that kind of touches your sensibilities. I was just like, 
okay, that can't happen, but whatever. I just kind of dismissed it. So I think it's just funny how much that affected you. But even I was thinking like, uh, no, there wouldn't have been any, you wouldn't have gotten any Wi-Fi in the 80s and you wouldn't have been able. And I think they missed an opportunity because if I'm not mistaken, I want to say America Online was like late 80s, like maybe like 89 or no. something like that. Uh Com, um, Didn't it used to be used like it was just like used at the independent company, right? Um, uh, it well, as far as what we consider your basic internet, those principles were around in the eighties. The military was using things like that. Certain corporations were using things like that, but not necessarily America Online because it wasn't a commercial product yet. It wasn't available for people to use. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I know that. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say like in 89, it was just originally, it wasn't out. It wasn't a product that was out or anything, but I want to say in 89, it existed just within the company. Like the company was using it to connect and stuff. So I don't know, maybe there was an opportunity there to be like, look, Maybe she knew that our genius knew that this isn't available yet, but I know who's building it or I know it's almost available. Well, they're going to get there, but what they don't know is they need to do this. Maybe she had been researching that or knew something about that and kind of found a way around not having the Wi-Fi. is my point. Like maybe she could have been, the one who uh, like knew internet was coming or was keeping up with that and knew the solution, but because she's not a part of, you know, IBM or whatever it was at the time, she just, uh, you know, she, she was kind of letting it run its course, but maybe she knew something about that technology or knew that it was coming, but it hadn't been invented yet. So maybe she could have even been like, well, I'm going to have to invent something that isn't going to be ready for a few more years or something like that. You know, you could have mentioned that or mentioned like the early stages of Internet and had her somehow manipulated for this time machine is all I'm saying. You know, you could have messed with the early prototypes of Internet and had her like alter it in some kind you of way. You are absolutely correct, Justin. I'm looking into this. I oh, mean, okay. As early as shit in 1983, you had downloadable games for the Atari. Okay. So, see, it was yeah. kind of. So, see, she could have, and that could have actually came back to that kid who yeah. had the video game. So, see, there was a way oh, we could have got there. That's even better. Yeah. You have video game kid? Yeah. It's like that. Man, he's like, oh, well, what if you like, they were like, man, we need this. We need to figure out a way to do this. And he's like, well, what about, and they could have even used this thing called GameLine that was for the Atari 2600, which was a company that later, this company later did become AOL. The okay. company that did GameLine was called Control Video Corporation. And that's technically considered part of the founding of AOL in 1983. Man, that's a missed okay. opportunity for sure. Then. It fucking is. Yeah. 
Yeah. And have like the, the video game guy team up with the girl doing the, yeah, the other part. Yeah. And think about how much yeah. of a better payoff you get at the end when it's like, oh, this guy created pink mist video games and all yep. this other shit. It adds exactly. to that. Yeah, it adds to that. And oh. he could have just simply overheard them talking about it and said, well, I mean, if the video game, blah, 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 blah the Atari, and there you go. And they could have, you could have somehow, and then that would have been kind of nostalgic because people would have been like, oh, look at the Atari that we're looking at. And, you know, it just hits all those notes. It does. And like I said, it fits my criteria if it's an 80s fucking solution to this problem. Exactly. And exactly. it shows how smart she is because she'd be able to take a modem and then use that like like a base level modem that was used to transmit Atari video games to do something like that with the, to replace what the Wi-Fi was doing in this system. And they could have a whole thing where they're like hacking a fucking payphone. Like you put the out of order sign on a payphone and then they like have all these fucking cables going from it right into the middle of this fucking thing and all this. Man, that would have been so much fucking better. Yeah. And you tie in so. that other character that you feel like is important enough to give him a post credit scene. Yeah. Oh so, my God. That, yeah. that fixes this movie so much for me. Like everything you said, just, Oh my God, it fixes this movie so fucking hard. And also, yeah. Cause I was, I, cause I was trying to think the internet like, that I didn't know. So that makes yeah, me happy. Cause I was trying, Cause I was sitting there trying to think like, well, what could they have actually done? Is there, what would have been the equivalent? And I was thinking internet and I was, and the only thing I could think of was the early stages of AOL. And then, but I didn't realize, but see, I was thinking 89. I didn't know in 83 that stuff. So that's really cool. I learned something. So that's pretty cool. Dude, they were doing that shit for the Atari in 83. They were doing that shit for Commodore 64 in the fucking 1985. They were doing all kinds of shit. Do you know how much that modem cost in 1983? $50. That's a fucking steal. I mean, (laughs) in 80s dollars, that's like $900 now. But still, like, that's crazy. And they charged you a dollar per game. Man. Crazy stuff. Yeah. But... Uh, but, but back to kind of the, the other thing at hand, but I just wanted to comment on that really quickly, just cause that's what, that's where my mind went when you were talking about it, but like on the killers thing. So like it, it's building and building and, and I was intrigued by all of it. I thought that it was solid storytelling throughout with how we set up. Okay. Who is the sweet 16 killer? I kind of like the name. I like how, the 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 oddly specific thing of stabbing you 16 times um you know i thought all that was cool i liked all the references like like one person died in a cabin in the woods the other person was stabbed on halloween like you know they did all these little things with that where they're paying homage to some of these other movies and horror movies and stuff like that but still incorporating the killer. And then the killer had the mask and they mentioned scream and the possibility of two killers. Then we kind of did it uh, at the end. So like, it's not lost on me. All of that kind of homage stuff that the movie was trying to do, you know, 
And, and most of that, I think it succeeds at. I guess for me, when I got to the end and we do find out who the killer is, um, and, and, and we find out the reason why, uh, you know, his girlfriend and how she wound up dying and everything like that. I guess that all just felt like I, I, I'm trying to figure out, okay, so what specifically, what made it underwhelming for me? And I guess it was maybe the lack of connections to the main character, maybe and the main family and all of them. Like, I think, Yes, that that killer was around same friendship circle and all of that stuff. But I don't know. It kind of felt like I needed it. Um, I, I guess I just needed it to connect more with the principal characters that I cared about. It felt like kind of an unrelated thing that led to sort of a domino effect that led to why she was related to it. But I don't know. I think I needed it to feel more personal to our main character. And maybe that's what my hangup was with it. So like when I figured it out, so when we figure it out, I'm kind of like, Oh, okay. So this is about a girlfriend that died and the boyfriend got mad. And it was kind of like, Oh, okay. You know? And then what I found to be more intriguing than that was, okay. So what is all, what all is going to change once we get back to our real time? You know, what happens? What, what are we going to see? What is going to be the end result when we get back to our original time? Because we have done hella, you know, in the past, we have changed hella shit. So as all of this is happening and you, you know, we're in the, 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 the carnival ride. I forgot the Gravitron, the 8,000 or whatever it's called. I don't know. That ride has so many names for, it just depends on what fair you go to, but we're, you know, um, it's always we're in the ride. Thing. Yeah. The spaceship gr- gravity spaceship gimmick. But like, as that whole thing was happening, I was more interested in, okay, where, what is the future going to look like? And I don't know. I just could not take my mind off of that. And maybe part of that is a good thing because we did have the time, the time travel element in it, but I feel like it makes kind of the resolution weaker because I wasn't as intrigued by it. I just wanted to know what the future looked like. It was like, I really didn't care that we were fighting for our life and everything like that. I just kind of felt like I knew we were going to defeat the slasher. So I was more like, what are we going to get at the end of this? And I will say at the end, they leaned more into the comedy with that and showing you what people have become or, you know, her name had changed. And now she had a brother that that had her name and her name was a different name and all that stuff. You know, some of that stuff was cool. You know, when we're looking through the notebook to see all the changes and everything. Um, and you could argue, okay, how did, how were we aware of all these changes? Like how in the world that this, how in the world did her friend's mom know and was aware and made note of how did she just know her whole life to know what these changes were? You know, there's some, probably some validity issues with all of that too. 
but they leaned on the comedy side. So I was kind of like, okay, I, you know, I'm with you on that, Justin, cause I didn't necessarily love that part, but since it's just a stinger at the end, like technically yeah. the movie's over, it's a stinger. Yeah. It's like you said, yeah. it's for comedic purposes at that point. I'm a little forgiving of that. Cause I'm like, yeah. How did she know that that guy didn't grow up to make pink miss games the first time anyway? Like she's just, you know, all that stuff. Like how did she know that that guy didn't grow up to be the principal? Like, I know she, he might have, she might have said that he was the coach, but like, what if in the original timeline, it's just three years later, he's the principal, you know, you don't know, like it's any number of things it's, you know, but yeah, it's just that comedic stinger type of thing. And so that's why I was like slightly forgiving of that where my issue was with all of that was what was her name? Jamie. Yeah. So my issue with that was these people had this weird, crazy experience with this girl named Jamie so much so that like Jamie saved their lives, all this other stuff and made a big impact on them so much so that they wanted to name their firstborn child after them, but they didn't realize that they're, a daughter grew up looking exactly like the same fucking Jamie. Like, I'm not saying that they wouldn't have like, they couldn't do anything about the name because she had the older brother. So that's fine. I actually kind of dug that a little bit, but at what point are they going to go, man, you weirdly grew up to look just like this girl we knew in high school. Yeah. Just like her. Yeah. That, that, that could have at least been mentioned or, Maybe, you know, the mom is looking at some high school shit and she's there. And it's like, oh, yeah, that was our friend. Like, you know, it could have just been one of those things, even if she didn't recognize that her daughter looked like that or something, you know, because for whatever reason, she just could not believe that that was the same person. How? But whatever. I know how you do that. But it, you you do it by just having her mo- like ask her mom because her mom's going to put on like her Halloween costume. Like, hey, mom, can I wear your jacket for Halloween? Because that was her jacket that she gave it to her in the past. And then when she puts it on and then the mom could just like say something to the dad, not to her, but to the dad and go. Have you ever noticed how much she looks like Jamie from high school? That you know, that you Canadian go. girl and the dad goes, huh, I never realized it, but I guess you're right. Just make that kind of, if you're already making weird yeah. stinger jokes like that, why not make yeah. that one? Yeah, you're right. That would have been perfect, you know. And then you want to kind of have that question of, okay, do they not know? Do they know? Do they, you know, cause that was kind of weird, but yeah, overall, I think that that was just my thing with it. I just felt like the killer reveal was a bit underwhelming. And, and even when we got the, the, the killer in the present, who was the podcast guy? I mean, I was hoping it wasn't him because it seemed kind of obvious that it was him. You know, I was kind of hoping that that was a swerve because it felt like they were just hella telling you it was him. Like, but I was hoping for a swerve and they decided to just go with him. So maybe that's what it is. Everything at the end just felt kind of really safe. Like it just felt like we were like, okay, here, this is the, 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 the killer back then. It was him, angry boyfriend, and then here's the killer now. It was the guy who stalked the mob and had the crush on the mob and all that stuff, and the one that just looked sinister 
but and sneaky and creepily the whole time. Yep, it was him. You know, it just felt a little safe, a little safe for those resolutions. And I don't know. I just think maybe we could have been a bit bolder. I'm what what I'm confused about with all of that though, like because he was the second killer and everything like that, and like people had been wearing that stuff, like that that guy's mask for Halloween and all this other stuff. But it's like, how did they know what his mask looked like? Because if you think back to it, with the way the original murders took place, he was just murdering these girls and nobody knew what he looked like. Hmm. Good point. Hmm. So how did they ever know what his mask looked like so that they could, then people could wear it on Halloween and then that guy could wear it also. Also, That's a good point. Name one mask that is the exact same as masks that were made in the fucking eighties. Like that's also a little weird, but yeah, that's what I don't get is how did, how did anybody know what the mask looked like? Cause the way they presented is that nobody saw them beforehand. So man, and see what would have been tight is if maybe they use that and you find out that part of his plan was to make them recognize the mask because he was trying to sort of make this Michael Myers type of thing anyway, where look, though this character's forever or whatever, maybe that could have been part of the diabolical plot is the problem is we got this killer, but nobody knows what he looks like. Nobody knows, you know, it's just kind of a myth and a legend. And maybe he was trying to bring some more, maybe he was trying to make it iconic by giving it an appearance, by giving it a face, by giving it, all the things that it was missing back then. I don't know. You you just said that maybe that could have been part of the plot. But, you know. But I do like what you said, Justin, when you were like, you were hoping that it was going to be a swerve. But then as the movie goes, you realize that instead they just swerve right into it. Like they swerve yeah. into what you wanted them to swerve out of. They yeah. zigged when yeah. they should have zagged. Yeah, because it really yeah. was like, I didn't expect it was him because I was like, it'd be way too obvious if it was him. You know, and so I was like, oh, so I guess they did surprise me by making it the person that I figured they weren't going to make it like. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it maybe maybe it was just too on the nose, like he was acting too creepily and stuff. Maybe go the other way with him, make him super handsome, hella charming and make him just like and maybe you just don't see it coming. Maybe maybe do all maybe go opposite with everything, his appearance, how he acted, make him not creepy, make him kind of interesting and kind of, uh, you know, charismatic and kind of compelling. And maybe I don't see it coming as much. I don't know. Another point I just realized, sorry, Heather, I promise we'll let you go at some point. In the notebook of all the things that have changed, you know, she brings up the young version of that was ultimately the killer, right? She brings him up and she's like, oh, last I heard he was, you know, since he was a kid when his dad got stabbed, even though they was stabbed by himself and he didn't know it. But he's now like often somewhere doing a spiritual thing and I hope he stays there or whatever. But how would that woman know he was the killer? Because that was revealed inside the spaceship thing. And the the 
the teenage mom wouldn't have known who the adult version of that character is. So how did the scientist girl know that that was that? Oh, I'm, I keep yeah. an eye on him or I keep track of him because yeah, I mean, her daughter no knew, but her daughter in the, in the future wouldn't yeah. have been able in to this, let her mom in the past know. Yeah. In this future. Yeah. The daughter didn't know because in this future he wasn't the killer or didn't become the the second killer. Yeah. Yeah. See. See, unless it was one of those where what I thought they were going to do of going back several times to try to fix some of it that changed too much. And how you see, like, in that first killing, she has a little note that she left, right, of like, um, I don't remember what the note said, but it had the J because Jamie left it. Um, stabbed, the, stabbed the machine or something like stabbed that? Stabbed the machine, yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, unless they could have done something like her continuing to leave little notes like that for them to kind of puzzle, put the puzzle together, that might have made sense. But we don't see her do that at any other point in time except for that first kill. Plus, at that point, unless she goes back another time, since that's the time travel, the last time travel part, there'd be no way for her to leave a note saying, oh, the second killer is this guy. Yeah, true. Fucking it all up. Uh, See, they were right in the movie when the character goes, nothing ever makes sense in time travel movies. And they, they never really make complete sense. Which, to me... totally right. I think that that's another thing that made me mad, is to me that was like the lazy way of saying like, don't pay attention to this too much. We're not really trying. Yep. Ours isn't going to make sense either. They were letting you know. It ain't going to make sense either. But to me, that's like meta just because you want to use it as an excuse. Uh, Do you have any more thoughts, Justin? No, I'm good. Sorry, Heather. All right, Heather. Go. All good. I mean, I I really just, I liked the dynamic of the girls in, in the movie. And I think that's what made it fun and just sort of her trying to fit in so naturally to a situation that she just wouldn't have at all fit into. Um, Especially because you could tell like in her, I guess her present day life, she, I mean, I don't know if you consider her popular, but she seemed like she was a pretty popular girl, you know, had some friends and stuff like that. And to go back to the eighties and be like super uncool <laughs> to these other girls. I just thought was kind of a funny thing. And like, yeah, I, I did also like the, the whole idea or the whole twist of her mom being like the mean girl, like the queen of mean girls in the eighties. And like just the idea that this whole murder spree, I I'm assuming that's what they're saying. This whole murder spree changed her and made her into a better person after what happened is what it seemed like they were saying. So I did like that idea of it, of what they did with her mom with that. Um, But I will say like, and, and I also, I wasn't expecting the mom to die or at least not in the first 10 minutes of the movie. I'll say that much. That was, that was a surprise. Um, 
But I also feel that like... That was actually a good fight, by the way. Yeah, it the was. The fight that the mom had might have been the best struggle fight of the movie. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty that's good true. at the beginning. Yeah. She put in work on that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and it's... I think it's her name's Julie Bowen, right? I really like her as an actress. She's delightful. Um, from... Uh, what is it? Happy Gilmore fame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Modern Family. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like her. I think she was in Lost as well. But anyways, um, yeah, so she she was really good. But I just thought it was funny because I feel like <laughs> nobody actually really reacted correctly to this death. <laughs> Except for the daughter. I mean, um, Jamie did. You know, you see moments of her really struggling with the idea and the reality that her mom is dead and was killed. But like even when her and her dad are having a conversation, it was just like a casual, you know, conversation. It wasn't like a we're we're bonding over this grief we're going through. It was just more like, yeah, I don't know. This guy just kept trying to get a hold of her. That's why she was texting him like just really. very matter of fact about just trying to figure out who just killed their mom in the most nonchalant manner. And it was just very weird because I'm like, um, why is nobody like more upset by what just happened here? You know? Um, and also like, why was Jamie back in school? Like, what was it a day or two later? It seemed like, I don't know, but it felt like she went back to school immediately and I'm like, no, that's not a thing that like, why would you do that? Why would you why would you go back to school so soon afterwards? You know, that just didn't really make a lot of sense to me, because I feel like even if she was like, no, I want to go to school or something. Her dad surely would have had to be like, no, we need time to deal with this. You know, like that just doesn't make sense that she would have been back that quickly. Um, But and I also like. uh I'm trying to remember because there was the whole thing in the movie with the note that was left for Pam, right? Of like your next one day. Um, so was that actually left by the original killer, Doug, or it was left by the later version, right? It was the reporter guy. He made that yeah. up. He didn't even okay. leave it. He just said he left it. Like, okay. Or he said the killer had left her that note because she was dead. There's no way to disprove oh, that. Oh, got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Cause, and then, cause she, he just showed the note to the daughter. That's the first time we yes. saw it. So, yeah, you're right. Okay. I was trying to remember about that because then I was just like, why would he want to wait if it was the original killer? Yeah. Like, that does, like, what would be the point in doing that so much later? Um, you know, yeah, so especially, the mom, yeah, never saw that note. That was something that he just showed the daughter. It was right. to essentially drum up interest in the fact that the 16, right. so his podcast would become popular again. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and that's all yeah. because yeah, that was all everything right. about everything that was tied to that guy at that point or the mm-hmm. future version of that kid it, is all fake. Essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that makes sense. I just like the note piece for some reason, I just couldn't remember like, what was the deal with that? Cause I was also like, if he said he's going to kill her one day also like, wasn't the whole thing like Pam wasn't even there the night that 
his girlfriend died. So why would he want to kill her? You know? So that's why I was like, wait a minute. And then I was like, Oh, okay. It makes sense. Um, but that whole thing too, about, um, Trish, they were talking about <laughs> fat Trish or whatever. Um, the, the whole conversation that Jamie has in the basement with the two other girls about, you know, after she says, Oh, I'm psychic and whatever. She asks her, you know, are there people that, you know, would have a problem with you or whatever she asks her about that. And she's naming people and she names fat Trish. I'm like, fat Trish was already dead at that point. Why would she like name her in that list of people that she said would be like against her, have a problem with her. Right. Like I was like, wait a minute. Like you mentioned this name, but then you're talking about how she died. Like last year. So why is she on your list of people that you named? It was very weird to me. I don't know why they did that, but. Yeah, I think you're right. The care, that's one of those things where the character probably wouldn't have said that Mm -hmm. the person wouldn't have said that, but the script needed them to say that for it to be a misdirect. Yeah. Or to just like, you know, get her in the, in the loop of the story at that point. Cause that's the first time I think they mention her. Right. Because even later on, when we do find out it's Doug and um, and she's like, wait, why didn't you tell me about him? She's like, well, I said fat Trish, you know, like. And they kind of point coined it off as, oh, she's just being kind of an airhead teen. She just said a name, but didn't say the whole story. But really, right. they needed her to say that to misdirect you. So that you wouldn't, so that Doug could be more of a surprise. Yeah. Or if you were, I mean, if you're trying to think of people who did have a problem and she did come to mind, you could have been like, Trish, oh, but she died. So, like, or something where you're like, obviously, like, why would you (laughs) include her in this list? But yeah, I, I had, that was, I think stuff like that was sort of what I noticed more as like the flaws or the faults of the movie. Because also in that conversation when she's like, she tells her she's she's told her, hey, I'm psychic and I've seen that these people are going to die and your friends are going to die. And it it just bugged me, too, because she straight up told Pam in that basement, like, hey, um, was it Heather at that point or it was one of the other girls, whichever one was going to die in the cabin? She was like, hey, um. I got a vision that she's going to die at a cabin in the woods day after tomorrow and specifically tells her this. <laughs> and then when they make this plan to like hang out with her so that she's not at a cabin and they are at the cabin, uh, teenage Pam acts like she's an idiot and has no idea like anything going on. You know, she's just kind of like, what's the big deal? Do you just want to like hang out with a bunch of girls all weekend? Are you a lesbian? And like, just this whole thing where you're just like, you know, specifically why she doesn't want to be here. Like what? Like why, why are you so confused by her actions and her doing this when she specifically told you this? And it's like, she forgot immediately. And I think that they were trying to chalk that up to, she was so distracted by Blake, you know, and the fact that Blake liked her and she was trying to get to know him. But I'm like, I think that you don't forget something like people telling you your friend is going to die in a specific way. Like, I just don't think you forget that the next day. You know what I mean? So apparently, you've never had many friends who have been threatened to be murdered. 
I, I, I miss out on those friends somehow. I don't know. But when it happens yeah. all the time, you're just like, yeah, all right. And you, like, know, you cool, just forget whatever. shit. It happens. Typical Tuesday, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I was just kind of like that. She was very specific about it too. And then when she's like, yeah, let's go to my parents' cabin or something. And she, there's just no, nothing like alarms Pam of anything to be true that Jamie told her. And I just thought that was really funny. Cause I'm like, what? And then she's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. She told me this. Duh. I guess the blood rushed back to my head and I'm like, what? Why did we even have this as a plot point? Like, yeah, I, don't know. I was, was like, what? I was the same way. Yeah. All of that. Right. It was weird. <laughs> and like, and I know that it's supposed to be the setup because you need them to be at the cabin anyway, but you know, it still could have been a situation where, you know, maybe both of them fell asleep in the car and neither of them knew they were going to the cabin. So both of them are like, uh Oh, now we're worried. But then she still gets distracted by the boy, even though she's worried about it. like, you still could have done the things that you did in that moment when the climax of the cabin stuff happened, but you just could have told the story leading up to it better. Cause I was just like, you know, cause they don't play her like she's dumb. I mean, Pam is not a dumb person. So why in that moment did they choose to make her just like, Oh yeah, duh, that's right. That's why we shouldn't be here. It was very weird. And I didn't understand that choice, but yeah, that that was the thing. The time travel thing, I was just kind of like, nah, okay, whatever. <laughs> but that is what bothered me. I was like, what are you doing here, guys? What is this? It was just kind of funny to me. I don't know. But um, yeah, I think that they just should, they could have done that better. But also, like, I I don't know if you guys thought this, but I really thought that the younger, the teenage version of her dad was going to be a bigger character or like do something more than he did. He was almost like the most side character of all the teenagers. And which was just an interesting decision because that's her dad. And you think he's going to, and he does like the heroic stuff, right? He like saves her and he gets stabbed and he tries to fight and protect. But even in those moments, nothing else throughout the story with him is anything. And so you just kind of, don't think of him as like the hero of the moment, you know what I mean? Or like he just, he's very much a backseat character as the teenager, actually through the whole movie, even the adult, you know, wasn't very much a big deal. So I just, yeah. So that, that was an interesting decision because you, you would think younger versions of them were going to be very much more dominant. You know, the you know teenage version of her dad was going to be a much bigger deal, but he wasn't. So that was, you know, and I'm not saying like I hated what they did with him, but I just think I was surprised because I I would have imagined them doing something more with his character. Um, But well, it feels like they it feels like they just got that character just so they could have that guy play the older version of it, (laughs) because while I don't remember his name and I'm sad I don't remember his name, that man's been in almost everything. You've seen him in at least nine movies and uh, most in, of them he's a killer or something <laughs> yeah. or, or, or he's like a crooked cop in some like right. he always plays that stuff and so it's like you've seen him in so many things so you're kind of he- like hedging the whole oh that guy i like that yeah. guy he's in stuff like, I know I that like, guy. i've seen him yeah yeah um what is his name it is lachlan monroe 
which I think I would have remembered that name. You would think, yeah, you would think you would remember Lachlan. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting yeah, name. Very unique. There's not but... too many Hollywood Lachlans running around, but for whatever reason, I can't remember. <laughs> but that's the thing is every time I see him, I'm like, oh, I like that guy. And yeah. It's, do I actually like that guy? I don't know. He's been in just so many things. I feel like I should like that guy. Like, it's yeah. just like, oh, because he, he's never like the, he's never the bad thing in a movie. Because he's never he's like you that know, good character actor that you see yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which are like the staple of movies. Like, right. the most underrated thing about movies are these character actors that are just in everything that just yeah. fill out your movie. Mm hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, more recently, I remember him from Peacemaker and Riverdale, you know? Oh, yeah. Peacemaker. He's fucking fantastic. Yeah. I love him doing he's the great. dance at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah he's just kind of he is everywhere so and he was a good choice to cast you know what i mean like i i get it i i i think he was a good choice and but they just should have done more with him you know because he he could have pulled that off better you know um and the only other thing too that i i think i was surprised they didn't do is um they didn't really mention especially with the um like the murder that happened 35 years after the others Nobody really, I don't remember anybody mentioning, thinking, oh, maybe it's a copycat. Did they mention anything about that? Because I feel like typically that's one of the first things they say. They dwell on that, the mom's death so little, though. That's true. Yeah, it, it, that's a you good know. point. In the present day, it's not really a big thing that they're focused on. Out, outside of the daughter, like you said, Heather, yeah. no one really kind of focuses on it. It's just the catalyst to get the daughter to do something. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's fair. But yeah, I just feel like, especially when it's 35 years later and like, you just feel like that's going to be one of the first things they think anyway. Right. Is that, oh, this is a copycat from something 35 years ago, especially as spry as that man was. He had I mean, he would be nearing, you know, 50 unless he's just in level in shape. Like he's not, he's not running like that and getting that kind of strength on somebody anymore. It was like, he was moving the exact same way he was moving when he was younger. And he also had the same stature and build and look as, you know, high school killer and 50 year old killer looked exactly the same, which was kind of weird, but yeah. yeah. The thing is that I, I, I think, and I, at this point, like I said, the third act had made me so mad. That I, I guess this is something I'm realizing right now is that makes it even worse is the fact that they're saying that guy was able to beat up and kill that version of Julie Bowen. Like I've been getting yeah, into man. shape. I've been, <laughs> I've been lifting weights. I've been doing cardio. I've lost a lot of weight. I've been doing all this stuff. I'm getting into shape. That version of Julie Bowen would have kicked my ass so fucking bad. And this man <laughs> yeah. who is not even doing these things I'm doing is essentially the version of Sterling before I started working out and doing this shit. <laughs> that version could beat her up. She's all fucking doing all kinds of shit. She's got fucking John Wick guns hidden all over that house and all that shit. Also, I don't know how many people out there have taken pepper spray to the eyes. You're not walking that off. Or not even screaming at it. He, nope, he didn't say a not word. Not at all. <laughs> Yeah, not at all. He knows so it. And I, I was like, no. Right. <laughs> like, and I do know there are people that are unaffected by it. That is a thing. 
but you're not saying that that's that guy. That guy's affected by too much cheese on a pizza. He's not walking <laughs> off fucking pepper spray. Yeah. I also feel like he was actually much shorter than the killer, but I could be wrong. Well, that's because he put on like nine inch lifts inside his serial killer boots. <laughs> sure. Okay. That explains it. Yeah. But like, I'll yeah. accept that. <laughs> that guy's got fucking all of a sudden superhuman strength and durability because he puts on the magic killer mask. Right. Come on, get out of here. Yeah. It was, it was yeah, and, and how come he wasn't hurt or anything? He had gotten stabbed during that skirmish and everything like that. So I wish they had at least said that he had the injuries, but he was just powering through them so that nobody would sense that it was him. But man, if you could have seen some bandages or maybe that could have played into the last fight, yeah. like the stab, the mother, and that would have been kind of cool. The damage the mother inflicted on him comes back to haunt him when he's fighting the daughter. That would have been kind of cool. Where were his injuries? Oh, no, no, no. Justin, where you tie it in is you have young Pam hit him in that spot and the blood, you see the blood come from it. So young Pam re-aggravates the wound that old Pam did. That's how you tie that in. Yeah, yeah, that would have been tight. Yeah, this yeah, dude had zero injuries after he had just killed so, somebody, and he was. You're yeah, telling who me he is middle aged white Steve Urkel. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> can yeah, yeah. walk off a stab and pepper spray. Come on, in a day's time with no like no repercussions at all because he wasn't even walking weird. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That made no sense. I mean, did either of you assume or think that Doug was the killer, the original killer? Which one was Doug? Is that the, the video game guy? The no, the no, the um the one that was like the principal of the school later oh, on. Oh, the one that was the killer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought you were talking about one of the misdirects they were giving. <laughs> no, no, no. Movie. The actual um, guy. <laughs> no, but I also didn't mm-hmm. care. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think my I think and I think the problem with this movie is because it's two different killers with two different motivations. It gets blurried like, you know, if you look at Scream where they had the surprise second killer in that, which is why they meta did that in this because they even mentioned, oh, what if it's like a scream, you know, um, that works because they have the same motivation. They are doing it in tandem. They are a team with this being two independent killers. They're killing for two different reasons and technically from two different time periods. It muddies the water so much that the movie is focusing on the second killer more than they are on the first as far as the mystery goes, it, it it plays that it's focusing on the, the one, the original one, but it's not. The movie's focused on the second one the whole time. And you could tell that yeah, by fair. the way they present it at the end, the way they do the climax of the story. It's because that is the killer that the movie is mainly wanting to be the, the, the surprise. They want that one to be the surprise. 
And that so, was the least of the surprise. Yes, that was that yes. was the one that no one's <laughs> yeah. surprised by. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it would have been better if it was that if it was that kid the whole time. Like if it was the guy that was the killer later was also the killer when he was younger. Yeah. He was just trying to profit off the shit he did. Mm. And then was trying to reinvigorate or re, you know, claim his legacy. Like his legacy was waning, so he wanted to get it back. You yeah. know. And I think you could have done some weird timey-wimey shit with that when his younger version gets stabbed by that sickle. And they're like, well, how are you still here? And he's like, well, if I've already time traveled back to now, when this happens, I'm here. I'm in this timeline when it happens. Therefore, I can't be erased in the future, you know, because I'm already here, you know. And he's like, and I'm just going to keep going this time. I'm not stopping with three. I'm going to keep going. That would have made more sense than I think you, the throwaway of it's the principal. Because I think if you wanted to sell it was the principal when he was younger that did it, when he was at the class talking about it, because he would have known it's a copycat. But have him yep. at least have some sort of facial expressions or somebody asking him a question and him at least seem nervous. Even though he knows the new one's not him, he knows the old one was. So right. now he's kind of worried. Mm. Does someone know my secret? You know, that yeah. type of thing. Play into that a little bit. You know, right. have him acting yeah. nervous when the cop is talking to him. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, stuff like that. Like, have him be slightly nervous when he's talking to, you know, the daughter. Mm -hmm. Because... He knows yeah. that he did the old ones, but not the new one. Yeah, exactly. Play into that. Because why is he completely unfazed by all this? Yeah. When he knows someone is fucking ripping off his killings and that could mean someone knows it was him. Well, and also like the guy who is, you know, the actual killer later, if his whole thing was, oh, like, I want to make this relevant again and everything. He still could have like he still could have been like, it's a copycat and it'd still be relevant again. You know, it could be like, oh, this is a copycat of the guy 35 years ago instead of trying to be like, oh, it's the same guy. Like, I still think that would have, you know, he's, he could have done it that way and he still would have gotten people interested in it again either way. So, I mean, you know I, 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 mean? I, get, I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying, but I think there's always still more intrigue if it's the original. Like, sure, if, yeah. And, because what also makes... The, the the this last of the new Halloween movies the least interesting. The fact that it is a copycat and it's not the Michael Myers for most of it. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, that's and I like guess that if aspect it is, of it. Yeah, and I guess if it is a copycat too, he actually might have been a little bit more of a suspect anyway, because it'd be like, well, who knows all about this case? Who's been the one following it and tracking it and knows all the details? So he actually could have been more of a suspect than he was if they had done that, I guess. But yeah, he's suspect suspect number one if it's a copycat. Right. Yeah. That's you that's know. fair. Okay. I take and it back then. No, but yeah. uh, but also with that though, the problem with this movie is he's still, even though they've already told me, I've already seen that someone else is the killer. I'm still not completely sold that he actually wasn't the killer though. Like, cause yeah. this movie was telling you the whole movie, he's a killer. 
<laughs> like the movie was telling you that and it was yeah. right, but I still kind of think he was the original killer, but because of the time travel, the other guy became the killer. Could be. God, I sound like I hate this movie more than I do. Well, I mean, and that's, that's what I was going to say too. I'm like, even with all of these like faults that they have and everything, like it's just still fun. Like something about it still kind of works for me. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to go watch happy death day this weekend. That's, that's a better version of this. Yeah, it is. Have you seen happy death day, Justin? No, I need to see the both of those. I really do. I don't know how I missed them in theaters, but then I was like, "Oh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna rent them." And then I never red boxed them. And now, you know, all this time passed, but I need to make that happen because I've heard nothing but good things. Well, all I'll say, Justin, is they are in the same place as that RoboCop documentary I was telling you about. Um, yeah. they're in there. But I get it, Jazz. I didn't watch them in theaters either. I I bought them and then watched them. Which is saying a lot considering I buy so much that I don't watch. With the plans, see, that's the difference. Is you didn't watch it in theaters because you're like, oh, I'll red box it later. I'm like, oh, I didn't watch that in theaters. Let me buy it so I can watch it. And I still don't watch it sometimes. I'm spending way more money to still not watch shit. But eventually I do. It's one of those weird things that's like... Huh, I bought this six years ago. I might as well watch it now. I can watch it when I want. Yeah. But no, I do should like watch the Underworld movies again. You know what I'm doing after that? Like, so this weekend I'll watch the Happy Death Day movies. You know what franchise I'm going to dive back into this weekend? The Final Destination franchise. Oh, man. Those movies are terrible. But I love watching them. They are shitty, but they are entertaining. And it's mainly just because it's a bunch of tomfoolery. It's just a bunch of weird shenanigans happening and Tony Todd oh. being creepy. You, you, you tell me Tony Todd's being creepy in a movie. I'm going to watch it. But yes, and I've got a very busy weekend this weekend. I mean, I'm going to my I'm going to my first professional hockey game this weekend. Nice. I'm going I'm going to go see I'm going to the home opener of the Chicago Blackhawks because they are playing my defending Stanley Cup champion Las Vegas Golden Knights. And and my dad's going to be in town this weekend. And he's actually going to be up here this weekend. So I'm taking my dad to a hockey game. Nice. It's both of our first hockey games. But yeah, even with all that, and it's because of how I watch shit. So I'm going to be hanging out with my dad and my family during the day. And I'm like, you know, for the, the, you know, for a few days and going to a hockey game and all this other stuff. I'm still going to probably watch one to two movies a night when I go home though. Like, that's the thing is I'm still going to watch one to two movies a night because I don't know. That's what I do. I just had to tie that back into earlier. It's full circle moment. 
kind of like this, the, the movie, you know, it's the full circle time travel thing in this full circle podcast. You guys got any more thoughts about this movie? No. No, sir. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet, www.cinemaslayers.com. We're Cinema Slayers podcast on Facebook, Cinema underscore Slayers on threads and Instagram, at Cinema Slayers pod on TikTok, at Cinema Slayers pod on YouTube. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love. Julie Bowen action scenes. That or Lachlan's. Yeah, or Lachlan's. Yep, yep. Also true. Julie Bowen and Lachlan Monroe being a married couple in a movie even. Yes. Yes. I think mothers would like that. Yes. Remember here at the Cinema Slayers podcast, we were both pro-slut, pro-Sydney, and pro-naked. Remember, you are enough. I don't think I did that last time. I did not remember to remember that we are all enough. Also, I did buy Barbie today. Because they finally stopped charging $30 to buy it. They dropped it down to the regular $20 price. And I was like, okay, I'll buy it now. Charge me $30 fucking dollars to buy it. Get the fuck out of here, Warner Brothers. I know this is the most successful movie you've ever had, Warner Brothers. But act like you've had a successful movie before. Come on. Shout out to Plug Me Go Mundo Choa for our theme songs and logos, respectively. And as I always in these podcasts, these TikToks and these YouTube videos, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. I really do need to figure out a better way to word all that shit because I say remember so much. Somebody else. Every time I end this podcast, it's like I'm talking to an Alzheimer's patient. Do you remember this? Do you remember this? Am I checking people for concussions? Jeez. We've only been doing this for, what, five fucking years now? You'd think I'd tell people to remember less. (laughs) But I don't remember to think of new ways to say that until I'm doing my autopilot spiel at the end when I'm like, hey, remember, remember, remember. And I think that that's why we've been doing this for what, five and a half years now at this point? I've been telling people to remember shit for so fucking long. I've been telling people to remember shit ever since you fucked up and called Moonlight Moon Knight. Yep. (laughs) You do half of them say, don't forget for the first set and then say, and also remember for the second part. But I say it like five times. Mm. Well. That's the break it up in half. Say, don't forget two and a half times and say, remember two. I'm going to have to write it out. I'm going to have to write out the the way it should be and then change all my remembers to something else. And then hope I remember to remember to not say, remember so fucking much. I'd like you to just actually have a script written out one time, like hold it up so we can see your reading off of it so that we know that you've changed how you're going to say it. (laughs) And in there, I'll put, Take some jab at Jastin in parentheses, just so I remember <laughs> to do that. Insert Jastin jab here. 
things that podcasts do to you. Things also that you say so much that then you become self-aware that you say that and then you're like, fuck. And then it drives you nuts every time you say it, but you can't help but say it. Oh, it's Relatable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't say remember anywhere near in my normal everyday life as much as I do on this fucking podcast. All right, I'm out.